Welcome into the 615 Sessions podcast. We're happy to have you back for another episode. Steve Lehman of News Channel 5 is the guest. We are always grateful for his presence. The podcast is made possible by Relax the Back. Hashtag We Got Your Back Nashville. Go check out all of their inventory, whether it's a standing desk, a mattress, you need improved pillows to improve your sleep. Relax the Back has you covered. And of course, the great folks at Two Rivers Ford, powered by Ford, driven by people. I don't know what Steve Lehman is driven by, but I know that he and John Burton on News Channel 5 do a great job covering all the local sports teams. Hey, bud. Thanks, Buck. Appreciate that intro. Glad to be with you as always. Yeah, it's always good when we can get uh, get you on the podcast. It's always better when we can hear you on the podcast. That's an improvement upon your last situation. That was true. I don't know what happened then, but I'm glad to be with you. And I, it seems like we have video and audio connection this time, which is we're good. cooking, baby. We're cooking. Uh, we finally figured it out. Three years removed from the pandemic, these damn streams. But yes, uh, we uh, have a game on Sunday. Titans at uh, or Browns hosting the Titans. Uh, this weekend, a couple of roster transactions quickly, though, Steve, uh, just came down the line, which is why we do this show now later on Fridays. Um, they put Kiaris Jackson on injured reserve. Kyle Phillips already on injured reserve. Who the hell is returning kicks for the Tennessee Titans and punts on Sunday? Wow, great question. And I'm not sure if I know the answer. We saw a little bit of Colton Dowell out there in preseason. So maybe him. I feel like there was a couple other guys who were out there as well. I don't know, honestly, but it's a big loss in this sense that I think that's why Kyrus Jackson made this roster is what he did in the preseason consistently as a returner. And if you look at last week, the hidden yardage that Kyrus Jackson saved in that game is probably the biggest untold story of the game against the Chargers. J.K. Scott literally hits moon balls every time he puts it up in the air. And Jackson caught all of them. You know, he was able to fight off the sun and all the elements and get under it and catch the ball. And in some cases, he got positive yards, like on the overtime punt. He picked up 10 yards. And Ryan Tannehill even said after the game, we got 10 extra yards there. It made our job even easier to get it into field goal range. That's huge, and it's something the Titans haven't always had. Kyrus Jackson has done it through two weeks, so the idea that he's not going to be able to be out there for next week or the foreseeable future I think is a big loss, and we'll see, but I'm very doubtful that whoever they put in next will have the same type of impact in the hidden yardage of the game that Jackson has had in the first two weeks. Yeah, J.K. Scott, the uh, Chargers punter for reference and one of the better players that they have on that football team on a very talented roster, which is why it's even more perpetually confusing that the Chargers are 0-2. But uh, that the the official backup or on the official, unofficial, official depth chart that they put up on the team's website, but isn't really official, make sure you say unofficial, uh, is Imani Hooker. Um, <laughs> and he's just returned from concussion protocol. I would... And and Steve, even when they put Phillips on IR, if let's just say for for the sake of this exercise that it's Amani Hooker back there returning punts, he was not terribly secure with the football when they tried that last year. After putting Kyle, shutting Kyle Phillips down the first time, who also struggled with ball security issues. So it, it's it goes beyond just 
you know, as you mentioned, the importance of the hidden yardage that Kiaris Jackson was able to uh, secure for them. And frankly, like, Steve, I was I was losing uh, the football in the sun when J.K. Scott was punting on Sunday at Nissan yeah. Stadium. How Kiaris Jackson made some of those happen was is still pretty impressive to me. But you know, it it Vrabel was up there joking at the uh, at the Rand Carthon hiring press conference about, hey Rand, make sure you get us you draft us some guys that won't drop the football, some returners that won't drop the football. Well, here we are again, two returners into the season, two games into the season, and now you have to wonder, okay, do they have guys who are capable of, if nothing else, just waving fair catch and taking the ball where, where it drops? Yeah, that's a concern, Buck, to be honest, because you have to be able to at least catch the football. That is the number one job in that role is to make sure you catch the football where it's punted. Because you can't allow a 45-yard kick to become a 60-yard kick or a 60-yard kick to become a 75-yard kick. You just can't let that happen. You have to keep the yardage that's there. You don't always have to have a 15- or a 20-yard return, but you have to make sure that whatever is kicked is the maximum of where you're going to start back from. And that's what Kiaras Jackson did, and then he brought you the return element beyond that. I'm with you. I mean, my only memory of Amani Hooker fielding a punt basically is muffing it in Buffalo last year. And so is that really confidence inducing going into this week? I don't think so. And especially coming off the last couple weeks that he's had, I would be surprised if he's their first choice to go back there this weekend, but it is, it is something we don't talk about. We talk about the offensive and defensive matchups a lot, but we really don't talk about the special teams and Special teams was a huge factor for the Titans to win on Sunday against the Chargers, and it can be a big factor in every game. And I will also say, you talked about just what it's like to catch a J.K. Scott or even track it from the stands. I'll tell you this. They worked a lot on that last week Mm -hmm. in practice with Garris Jackson. They were using the jugs machine, which is much hang time as J.K. Scott gets. No human punter will ever beat the jugs machine. But he struggled with it by people I talked to all week long. He struggled with getting it. Mm. And Mike Vrabel sort of told the team, like, this is going to be a huge factor on the game. And if anybody wants to step up and just go out there and try to field those punts and do it correctly, feel free to apply for the job in the next couple of days. And Kiaris Jackson goes out there on Sunday and he fields all of the punts and then he gets some positive yards on some as well. Credit to him, credit to the staff for preparing him, but that's something that you never talk about and you never think about within practice that they did a great job of last weekend. Well, we can uh, come on down the great white hope, Mason Kinsey. It's time. It has been Kinsey time. He's on the active roster. Yep. Uh, they wave Otis Reese, the linebacker, for those of you uh, just now joining us on the podcast. That is the corresponding move with Kiaris Jackson on injured reserve. So, you know, uh, Winning in the margins is going to be important. This is a Cleveland Browns team that theoretically can be had, but it's going to take some pretty good defensive effort and and management, basically, from the offense to not get in their way or not allow the Browns to put them too far out of their way as they have done successfully through the first two games. They're not getting sacks, Steve, but they don't necessarily have to. They've only got two sacks. Uh, through two games, do the Cleveland Browns on defense, but quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball so quickly 
uh, because of that pass rush that it's almost like they don't need the sacks because the pressure numbers are wild. Uh, there is not a team that has made it inside the Browns' red zone <laughs> yet to date, which is an insane statistic through two weeks, and they're pretty stout against the run on top of being a great pass rush uh, group coordinated by Jim Schwartz, who the uh, Titans fan base and Titans organization intimately familiar with with several stints here in Tennessee. Um, we were talking about this today on the radio show. Like They know that, that Andre Dillard is, is the biggest problem right now on the offensive line that they have. They know what the uh, what issues that the Browns defense can pose is not the game plan as simple as listen, Ryan. Uh, if it's if it's not there, throw it away, bud, because we can't take a thirteen yard loss uh, because you held the ball too long on a screen play that ended up uh, resulting in a sack because you're trying to make a play. Don't live for another down in this game, if no other, because some of that stuff does crop up with Tannehill when all he's trying to do is hang in the pocket and deliver a throw the way that we've seen him do time in and time out. Yeah, I think that's right. Your point about the defense having to play well is correct, but I think that's the case every week, and honestly, I expect them to play well every week because this defense for the Titans is really, really good. But even being a really, really good defense in this league, you're going to give up 14, 17, 20 points a game probably week Mm -hmm. in and week out. And so the Titans' offense has to do something. And if you tell me that they're going to be the same offense that turned the ball over multiple times in New Orleans – and failed to score a touchdown, well, they're going to lose this weekend. No question. If they're the same offense to put up 27 points and didn't turn it over against the Chargers, I think they'll probably win in Cleveland. So the real question is, what does your offense this weekend look like? And probably the biggest thing to me in that is, can they run the football? Because the Browns are tied with the Titans to this point, allowing 65 yards a game, rushing, tied for third in the league. If The Titans, who I'm sure will stick with the run more than anybody that the Browns have faced to this point, if they can run the ball effectively, and it doesn't have to be 150 yards or 180 yards in the game, but if they can consistently move the pile a little bit and stay ahead of the chains and don't turn the football over with the run, then I think you open up the ability for Ryan Tannehill to make some plays in the pass. And maybe more importantly, Buck, you open up the play-action pass if you have any ability to run the football in the game. And we saw it last weekend. The Titans used play-action pass nine times. They were incredibly effective off of that. Both of the shot plays, the 70-yarder to Traylon Burks, the 49-yarder to Chris Moore, those were on first-down plays with max protection and two-man routes. But because the Titans were running the football effectively, they got the defense to bite, the line held up, Tannehill was able to step into the throw and you get a huge play. If you can hit even one of those this week and turn it into points, and you can consistently kind of use that play action to feed off of a running game that's giving you anything, I think the Titans have a really good shot. But that's easier said than done against this Browns defense. Yeah. Uh, and, and your point about, you know, running the ball effectively, it's, it's become, I think a little easier, at least it looks like there will be less of a giveaway when Derrick Henry's in the game, or they have more of a, an ability to, I don't want to say camouflage Derrick Henry a little bit, but not make it so damn obvious that he's getting the ball every time because of the presence of Tajay Spears. The question is, you know, how, how can they kind of find this balance on a week-by-week basis? There are going to be times when Derek gets 
you know, something like five carries in the second half the way that he did against the Saints because the game plan dictates that Spears play more when your average third down is third and eight. And those are obvious passing situations. You're trying to avoid those, whether it be because of sacks or penalty. Um, but I do think that the the running game, Steve, is the thing that I'm most curious about, the newest feature on the offense that I'm that I enjoy seeing how they're working through each week is how they work the two of those in concert, because I think that's such a critical thing to prolonging Derrick Henry's career here, potentially, or at least keeping him fresher down the stretch this season. Yeah, I would agree. I think the one-two punch that they're developing in the backfield is a very intriguing development for the offense this year. But I also think it's the biggest challenge for Tim Kelly moving forward, because in week one, you're right. It's one thing to have Derrick Henry off the field when it's third and five and longer. It's another thing to have him not on the field on first down. You know, that's the exact opposite of what we've talked about for years. Of It's like he's on the field, they're going to hand it off to him on first and 10. But to not even have him on the field, which they had several times in the second half of that game in New Orleans, is a very interesting development. Mm -hmm. I think they struggled to get the right balance of Henry versus Spears in week one. I think he hit the perfect pitch in week two against the Chargers. And some of that may be the way the game flowed or what the defenses did. Some of it may just be luck. (laughs) Some of it may be feeling out what your offense is. But I think that's going to be the most intriguing thing of the next several weeks is it's clear Tajay Spears is a weapon for this Titans offense that has to be on the field and has to get touches for them to be truly successful. But Derrick Henry is a generational running back in this league and has been the face of the franchise for years. So you cannot forget about him. And I think his 17 touches in week one in New Orleans was not good. And I think it deserves criticism. In a game that they lost by a point and were in it to the end, for him to have five touches in the second half, given the way this team is built, there should be apologies written about how that played out. (laughs) But last week, what they did, I thought was perfect. With his number of carries, I thought every time Tajay Spears was in the game, he was used perfectly. He ran for like seven or eight yards per carry. He was a factor in the pass game too. So that's the thing. Tim Kelly's got to strike the balance where he does better than he did in week one and close to as good, if not as good as what he did in week two with those two guys. Because they both have a role in this offense but there's only so many plays in the course of the game and you've got to be really sharp in what's going on and how you're going to use them in the personnel groups to make sure you use them to their best effectiveness to make sure this offense is as effective as it can be. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up on this point, Steve. Uh, and we always appreciate Steve Lehman from news channel five, uh, joining us on a regular basis. You can check out him, Keith Bullock, Jonathan Hutton, Uh, and John Burton on News Channel 5 to recap the Sunday action of the Titans. Uh, Steve, are you going to Cleveland? John's going to be in Cleveland this week. Okay, JBB in Cleveland. I'm looking forward to flying up. Well, I don't know that I've ever looked forward to flying to Cleveland, but I will be in Cleveland tomorrow uh, and do the game on Sunday. Be a great time. But uh, Derek, whether he gets 98 yards in the game against the, the Cleveland Browns or whether it takes him a game, and uh, a bit of a quarter to do so, he is going to pass Earl Campbell at some point in the very, very near near future 
on the franchise's all-time rushing leaders list. 98 yards would pull him into sole possession of second place behind Eddie George, who has 10,009 as the franchise's career rushing leader. Uh, The significance of Derrick Henry passing Earl Campbell, you know, this is his last year under contract. We'll see if he does get the opportunity to push Eddie or pass Eddie. Um, Right now, you know, 1,600 yards with the kind of usage situation that we're talking about, is, which is what Derrick would basically need to surpass Eddie this season, doesn't necessarily look probable. It's not impossible, but it would also take the second best single season rushing performance. He still does play the Texans twice, Buck. Remember that. Average damn 250 yards. I mean, that sounds hyperbolic. It's not. He averages over 200 yards in games against the Texans. So Steve is correct. It is probable uh, or it is possible, if not probable. But the significance of Derrick Henry moving past Earl Campbell, whether it's Sunday or another Sunday to come. Well, it's big. I I think he's the best running back of this generation in the NFL. I think he's a surefire Hall of Famer, kind of, no matter what happens uh, from this point on in his career. He just has been that good over a consistent period of time. When you talk about running backs in the NFL, even the best often only have six or seven years careers. And he's been this good really since the second half of the 2018 season, which is really remarkable when you think about it. And you look around the league right now, Buck, of all the great running backs that have already been hurt one or two or three weeks into the season. And Derrick Henry has been, other than what I think is a freak foot injury, it wasn't, you know, a hit or something like that. He's been incredibly durable in the course of his career in the NFL as well, too. So I think he's an all-time great running back. I think we're watching history every time he carries the ball. But the other thing I want to point out to this particular topic is I was in the Titans studio with Mike Keith the other day, and we were talking about some of the memories of the Titans over 25 years in Nissan Stadium. And one of them was the last London game back in 2018. And if you remember that game, Titans lost, of course, to the Chargers at the very end. But in that game, Derrick Henry essentially became persona non grata within the Titans offense. He was lost. Deion Lewis was the leading rusher by far. It looked like it was going to be Lewis's team for the rest of the season. So much so that when the Titans had a two-point conversion to win the game at the end and even got a penalty to move it down to the one-yard line, they threw the ball as opposed to having Derrick Henry in the game. Taewon Taylor in the back of the end zone, baby. I, I, yeah. I remember sitting next to you in Rex Road at Wembley and looking around and being like, the hell did we just watch? <laughs> yeah, I, I, as a quick aside, I still think to this day that is the worst decision Mike Vrabel has made as the Titans head coach. And halfway through season one, I wondered, is this guy a little bit too much of a player? Like, yeah, let's go for it all the time type of coach. To oh, do Steve. This- you remember in the press conference when he came in afterwards, that's as, that's as mad as I remember seeing him post game when he's answering those questions and he comes off the podium afterwards and he goes back towards the locker room and you hear shit slamming or, and him punch yep. something like he clearly was frustrated at that point by his own decision-making. Yeah, no question about. And so you take all that aside. But I thought sitting out of that, and they went into the bye week the next week, and the trade deadline was coming up. And there were real questions, if you remember back, about the potential that the Titans would trade Derrick Henry 
And they would just be completely done with that experience altogether. And I don't know if I really thought that the trade was likely, because honestly, I didn't know what they could get for him mm. at that point. But I thought to myself that this is an incredibly talented running back with all of the tools that for whatever reason, it's not working at the NFL level. And credit to him. And obviously, it's well documented. He had a conversation with Eddie George then about finishing runs and moving forward and all that, which he does better than anybody in the league now. But a couple weeks later, he started to become a totally different person. And his finish to that season, coupled with what he did in 2019, and then two 2,000-yard seasons, or, or close to 2,000-yard seasons, I mean, he's, he's unbelievable what he's done since that moment. And I don't know if you've ever seen a guy have such a failure necessarily out of the gate. And that's what it was. It looked like it was a failure. He's losing snaps to uh, Flewellen, flu season uh, in right. that Patriots game. Well, Flewellen was the guy on the field for the two-point conversion. That's right. So, I mean, the idea that it was that bad early on and everybody was ready to give up on it, and he somehow found it in himself to work harder, to learn more, to do better, whatever it was, he became an all-time great productive running back in the same place where it was struggling. It wasn't a fresh start. It wasn't a new beginning anywhere else. It was just he gutted it out and became one of the all-time greats. To me, that's one of the most incredible stories, certainly of the Titans 25 years, but I think it's the story of Derrick Henry going to Canton and one of the greatest running backs of all time. So when he does pass Campbell, it's just another milestone on what he's already done. I hope he gets the chance to pass Eddie because he's going to be up there as one of the all-time great Titans for sure. But I just love watching Derrick Henry because of what he did and the story behind it. Not just is he great, but he overcame things to get to this level where he's great. And he's going to go to Canton, and it's going to be a great story to tell when he gets there. Uh, people people forget that Derrick Henry really wasn't the full-time running back until 2019, and really not until halfway through a Carolina Panthers game where they came out with another Deion Lewis game plan, and we were all looking around like, stop this silly shit, enough. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. Steve Lehman, News Channel 5, best in the business. We always appreciate his visits here with us on the podcast. Make sure you support the people who support the podcast. That's Relax the Back here in Nashville, their Green Hills location and Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet. Steve, I appreciate uh, you stopping by. Enjoy the weekend and the game on Sunday.